Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 66 and I'm your host, Rachel Antony. Today I'm sharing with you an interview I did with Justine Carey. She is the face behind Milton Photo. She used to be Justine Milton and now she's Justine Carey, but kept the name to make it easier for everybody. On this episode, Justine talks about how she got into photography, how she shot her first wedding without ever taking a photo of people before, and how she has evolved as a photographer by just simply asking questions. We talk about why she loves film and her passion for capturing people's big day. We talk about the pros and cons of being self-employed, her advice for aspiring photographers, and her advice for brides when choosing a photographer. It's very relevant to my situation right now. I learned a lot about photography and wedding photography. And I know you will enjoy this episode. So let's jump into it. Here is Justine. Welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting here at my kitchen table with Justine. Thanks for driving to my house and joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, Do you want to start with introducing yourself, uh, what you do, and then give us three fun facts for people to get to know you? Sure. So I'm Justine, uh, Milton Photo on Instagram. My last name used to be Milton, but I was recently kind of married uh and my last name's now Carrie I forget that a lot though um a lot of time at weddings I'm like oh they forgot us in the seating chart and my husband's like no we're over here under <laughs> the seas um I am a photographer I mostly shoot weddings and portraits and that kind of stuff but I've been branching out into commercial a little bit lately um and then fun facts I grew up in Saudi Arabia uh, I really 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 love shoes As much as everybody thinks that I have a really big sweet tooth and I eat a lot of junk food, I actually probably eat more vegetables than I do junk food. Mm. I mean, it's still fun to post vegetables on Instagram, though, so... <laughs> I'm like, if I eat a bunch of vegetables, I don't have to hide it from my husband and right. replace the half-eaten <laughs> box of Oreos with a new half-eaten box in the right. same day. <laughs> nice. Those are very super random. Love it. <laughs> um, and what did you take in school, and what did you think you were going to be? Was a photo photography always there or did you have a different plan of action? I never had any desire to be a photographer. I never took photos. Um, I basically, I didn't even want to go to university, but my mother said, you go to school, you pay rent. And I said, I'm not paying rent in my own house. So I went to university. Um, I started out, I was going to be a doctor. I was in science and I don't know, two weeks into university, I called my mom up and I was like, hey, did you know that you take specific courses towards a specific degree? And she says, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I thought you just took classes for four years and they gave you whatever degree you wanted. And she was <laughs> like, no, that's not how it works. Um, and then shortly after that, I figured out that I didn't like science all that much. And I found a design class and I took it, happened to love uh, my art classes and my design classes and stuff, and then found a program called the Bachelor of Design. And I enrolled in that because originally I wanted to design advertisements. And I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then I fell in love with industrial design instead, which is like anything three-dimensional products, furniture, uh, it could be cars, it could be architecture if you go into another degree, um, anything like that. And I absolutely love that. And my dream job is actually... There's one company in, they're based in New Jersey, and they design and build all of the floats for the Macy's Day Parade, and all like the installations for downtown New York, and that would be my dream job, um, probably to date still, but you never know. They don't have oil in New Jersey, so <laughs> we're stuck in Calgary. Um, so anyways, I thought paying to like paint or sculpt was a waste of my tuition money, so there was a course... Uh, that involved photography and typography, and because at the time I wanted to design ads, this was a visual communications design course. That was what I was doing. Um, I happened to have a natural talent for the photography, which I didn't know about. They, it was the last year they actually taught film at the U of A. And, I mean, at the time I was outraged that it was film. I was like, there's digital. This is so stupid. Why am I learning film? And then I shot it and completely fell in love with the idea of film. And I loved everything in the darkroom. I loved processing it all and printing from the negatives. Um, that was honestly probably the highlight of my five years at university. I loved it. And I took this photo of my great-grandmother's living room. And my professor at the time was like, this is, this is really, really good. Like, you should consider doing something like this. And so I was like, okay, maybe, well, whatever. And at the time, I worked for a wedding catering company. And I made $20 an hour. And 
and I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Pays for tuition. And so usually we'd work five hours on a Saturday, and I'd make a hundred bucks. Yeah, hundred bucks. And that's pretty good. And then the guy said to me, the owner said, you know, this other girl's gonna quit because she's gonna photograph weddings. She can make like a thousand dollars on a weekend. And I was like, yeah, that's that sounds like a really good idea. Maybe I'll do that. And I literally posted that on Kijiji and booked my first wedding. And because I used to make hundred dollars on a Saturday, I thought, that's oh, a Saturday. Let me charge one fifty. Just, you know, opportunity cost and whatnot. Happened to be on a Sunday, so I got to work both days that weekend. Um, <laughs> and I'd never even photographed people before in my life. And I shot this wedding, posted those photos on Kijiji, booked another one, charged like 250 and then 400, and I just gradually went up from there. By the end of the year, I had a set of weddings. And then the following year, I booked like 24 weddings, and every year after that, it's been over 30. Wow. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And by the time I graduated, I had this well-established business, and I was pretty good at it. And I was like, well, why don't I look at gift horse in the mouth and quit something that I love that makes me money? So what started out as just pay for tuition turned into what I'm doing nine years later. Wow. That's crazy. That's also crazy that you just like jumped into wedding photography because I feel so many people are just like, it seems like it makes them nervous that it's someone's like big day, but clearly that wasn't like an issue. <laughs> you just like went for it. You know, it wasn't maybe the smartest way to do it. Most people <laughs> photograph like at least other people first or they like second shoot or assist or do other things. Yeah. But I, I'm super ADHD. Um, and I also have Asperger's and a couple other things, which is like an autism spectrum disorder. And part of all of that means that I have no fear and no concept of consequences or forethought. So I tend to just do things without thinking I'm very much a jump in the deep end and learn to swim kind of person. So it works out most of the time, especially in this case. But I mean, I wouldn't advise everybody to do it that way. That's I mean, sure. I guess for $150 also, you kind of just get what you get then. And the risk is pretty low, yeah, for $150, yeah. And how did you like know what to do? Like, how did you know like what to photograph at the wedding? Did you just like go for it or did you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I had a clue. I think it was just, I think I might have looked at some like wedding blogs and stuff before I'm like, style me pretty or green wedding shoes or whatever. I think I might have looked at some of them ahead of time and been like, okay, cool. Because from those first weddings that I did, I had photos of like the jewelry all styled pretty and I, I had those things. And so I'm not sure how I knew to do that, but I'm guessing it was probably from looking at these blogs and assuming that's what you do. Because right. That's so funny. Um, and did you shoot those? In film? No. Or so you those ones digital. were digital. I shot, I only shot film for like my personal stuff in school. And then when I started weddings for the first four years of weddings, I shot all digital. Um, so I just shot my first wedding in June of 2010. And then in 2014, I took three major photography workshops. And I bought my uh, first big medium format film camera in November, December 2013, and I shot it for the first time in February of 2014. I had no idea what I was doing. I took it with me. Um, I went to Paris with my mom, and I was doing some modeling at the time in Paris, and I was just traveling with her and visiting things, and I was like, let me set up a style shoot while I'm here, like really make the most of it. And I brought the film camera, and it's gonna be so great. This is gonna be, this is gonna launch my career. I'm gonna be just like, you know, the photographer that I idolized at the time, and I'm gonna be awesome. Film will make me awesome. Film will make me the best photographer. And first of all, we had to try to find film in Paris. So that was a bit of a struggle because it's not the easiest thing to find nowadays. Uh, and then I had them teach me in French, of course, because they don't speak a lot of English there. And there's like little old man in this film shop. Um, he had this like adorable little Parisian hat. And he spoke like no English, could barely walk, but it was his shop. And he was so excited with this camera, the Contact 645 that I have. He was so excited by it. And he like, he kind of gives me this look on his face. It's like, oh, wow. And then a thumbs up. And it was just the cutest thing. And then I try to, I speak a little bit French. Like, like I'm, I'm actually pretty good at it. I'm not fluent, but I'm pretty good. Um, and so I ask him, you know, how do I load the film? Cause I didn't even know how to do that. And so he shows me and walks me through it. And I'm like, okay, I've got this, I can do this. We get down south to the chateau. I completely forgot how to load the film. I had to borrow the model's phone to like YouTube this and everything. And I shot all this film at this session so excited to get it back and I got it back and I was like this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life why does this not look great why do I not look like my idol like these photos were brutal and I genuinely didn't know to do them so I applied like the same presets I applied to my digital photos to them so, and you know that's basically sacrilege at this point to apply presets to your film photos but they were so bad 
And then I learned that like I need a light meter and I need to learn how to expose the film correctly. All these things that I had no idea about. So I learned it was actually much more complicated than I initially thought. But once I knew the ins and outs, I was like, this is actually super easy. Um, so anyways, after that little <laughs> mistake in Paris, I guess, um, I took these three big workshops. I learned all about film. And then one of them was in like March and one was in June, I think. And because it's quite expensive to shoot film, it's like $2.250 per photo that you take on the medium format um, that I shoot. And you know, weddings are already a costly endeavor. And so I would only shoot maybe a half a roll per wedding and for the first couple. And then I would like work my way up to a roll. And then I chose which weddings that year were gonna be like my absolute best weddings. And I decided, okay, I'm gonna shoot those weddings entirely on film. One of them was a beautiful East Indian wedding. And looking back again, that was maybe like a stupid slash brave decision, but it worked out <laughs> in my favor. But most people would be like, I wouldn't have picked that as a first one to shoot on all film. Um, and I just had my husband shoot digital like right over my shoulder, just in case. And it turned out I didn't need the digitals. The film was all amazing. And then I just started advertising the film weddings and then I started shooting all film and charging for it. And it worked out well. And so I've been doing film ever since 2014. That's crazy. Is there a lot of photographers that use film like for weddings and stuff? Like I've never looked into it. Is that like a common thing or would you say it, like sets you apart? Locally, it sets me apart. Um, in Calgary, there is, there's a couple other photographers that are like dabbling in film or like learning to shoot film. And I know that's because I mentor most of them and I've taught a lot of them film. Um, and there's a bunch of photographers that'll take a workshop with me and then go out and buy a film camera because they're like, oh, it's just so inspiring and so exciting. <laughs> um, and then there's a couple up in Edmonton. There's more in Edmonton, actually. In Vancouver, there's a couple. But in California, that's where like you find the bulk of film photographers. It seems to be a trendier thing down there. And in Europe, it's a lot more common as well. Um, in the States, people at least recognize it a bit more. In Canada, a lot of times I have to explain what film is and that it's not video. Um, oh, and a lot of times people, like I had, I had one bride, bless her heart, she was like the sweetest thing, but she was 19. She had no idea what film was, no idea what it even looked like. And I was like, I'm not that much older than you. This should not be a problem. But we're kind of getting there where people don't know anymore. Right. Um, so it, crazy. I'd say locally, yeah, it definitely sets me apart. Mm -hmm. But I mean, on a global scale, like, no, not really. Right. I mean, at least in Calgary, then that you, yeah, <laughs> you've got that like market, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially because like, there's so many people that travel to Banff, and so I book so many sessions that they're just traveling here for vacation, and they really want to film a photographer, and I'm the only one in the area. Right. So that works out in my favor. Right. <laughs> um, and why would people specifically book film? Like, if if you don't mind me asking, just no, of course, yeah. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to each. It's not that digital is bad in any way. Digital is a phenomenal tool. And I view both of them as there are tools in my tool belt and I use whichever is appropriate for the job at hand, right? Um, and I think that's really important because sometimes photographers get hung up on being stubborn about shooting film. And while I would love to be stubborn and be like, I only shoot film, that's not practical, especially for like my commercial clients and stuff. That is not a reality of life in today's technology. Um, however, the benefits of film... I think like for me, I love the process of it. I love that I'm not looking at the back of a camera ever. I am always engaged with my client. I'm always seeing what's happening around me. And the, the best and kind of weirdest part is more of a psychology thing where I don't look at the back of the camera and be like, oh, that doesn't look good. I never second guess myself. I'm just shooting. I'm like, I'm awesome. This is awesome. This is going to look great. And I always think that because I don't, I can't see it. Like right. I can see it with my eye through the frame. But yeah not on the back of the screen. And then when I get them back, then it's like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, that worked out. Oh, that's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Oh, that one's awesome though. And it's kind of like this roller coaster of, I love them. I hate them. I love them. Right. Because you haven't seen any of them until then. And it's kind of like a learn, a long learning process that way. Um, so for me, I love the process of it. That's one of the big things. And then with digital photography, the shadows are always, easy to fix and save, but the highlights, if you overexpose your image, your highlights are completely gone and there's no saving that. Film is the complete opposite. You can save all of the highlight detail, but if you underexpose, you lose all the shadows. And so for things like wedding dresses or when we're having to shoot at high noon in the bright sun all the time, film makes that so much easier and so much softer. And film is much more forgiving with the highlights and everything. And so like usually when I shot digital, I would pray for clouds every weekend. I would be like, please, please let it be overcast 
because that was the nicest, most flattering light. Whereas now that I shoot film, I'm like, please let it be sunny. Even if I have to shoot at noon, please let it be sunny. Because film handles it just a lot differently, just the way it captures the light. Right, interesting. And it makes it, I don't know, it makes it more magical. And I think that the film tends to look a little more alive in 3D. Like, you could reach out and touch it. And the backgrounds, like with digital, sometimes they just look like a flat blob. Like, they're all blurry. It's pretty, but it's just a flat blob. Whereas the film, it's more like a watercolor painting. It's got much more texture and it's more alive. And I really, really love that. I think those are the, the big reasons. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, and do you find that weddings are your favorite to shoot? Or do you have, like, different moments that you love shooting? I love everything. Well, not everything, I guess. I love most things. We'll put it that way. I do love weddings simply because I love the chaos of it all, which sounds kind of strange. <laughs> but I, I'm really good spur of the moment. I'm not a, I'm not a planner. I am not an organized person. I, like, if things get messy, if stuff's happening, people are crying, people are over there, things are running late, I'm really, really good under pressure. I've had brides' dresses, like, as the mom's doing them up in the morning, the zipper breaks, and the bridesmaids, bless their hearts, millennials, um, they didn't know how to sew even a button on. <laughs> I And the mom is like, I can barely see, and I'm terrified right now. So I'm like, okay, I'll sew up the back of the dress. <laughs> the bridesmaids are like, let's safety pin it. I'm like, have you ever safety pinned a dress? That's not gonna hold a wedding dress up. So I sewed the bride into her dress. Um, like there's all these kinds of things where I don't even skip a beat. It's like, that's my instant thought. And I love, I love an area where I can shine, I guess. And under pressure is that for me. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I really, really love weddings. There's something about it where I would never give up shooting weddings. Um, I love shooting families and, and portraits and other things too. I don't like shooting individual people as much, but I think it's because I don't have as much experience with it. And I'm not great at posing like individual people, mostly right. because when I shoot individuals, they're models and they do the hard work for me. Right. <laughs> um, that's probably the biggest thing. And I, I know it, that's not one of my strengths, but it's definitely something that I'm trying to get better at. Um, and then, like I said, I've been trying to do a little bit more commercial work here and there just because I like to break it up and try new things. I don't like to get bored or stale with it, so. I think you have something to do like on the wedding off season. Yeah. I guess if you don't want to take a break. <laughs> Yeah, there's, well, we don't have much of a break with wedding season. I know a lot of people think that, but, like, we usually shoot our first weddings of the year, sometimes in January, but usually, like, March, April, and then our last one's November, December, oftentimes New Year's Eve, and then January is always booking season, so there's not much of an off season, um, but it's more just, like, doing stuff during the week and shooting different things. I'd love to shoot more food photography. I've never really done much of that, but my dream has always been to shoot a cookbook. I would love to do that. Partially because I love food and partially because I love eating it, but it also, like, I love all the colors. Right. I really, really love color. I'm not a neutral person at all. <laughs> and I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I'm sure it's all good practice, too, to, like, just do different things rather yeah. than getting stuck in, like, one, like, section. Yeah. And, like, without the risk of sending arrogant. Like, I'm good at weddings. I want to be good at other things, too, though. Right. So I want to learn how to do all these other things. And, like, I've, in this journey of the last, I don't know, a few months, or six months or whatever of trying to shoot more commercial work and learn that I've learned so much about lighting and all kinds of things that I never really like I kind of knew but I never really knew or put to practice and I feel like I'm already becoming a more well-rounded photographer and there's just there's so much of a world more of a world out there in photography that I didn't even know about that I want to learn yeah I mean like why not really um would you say that photography is becoming a little bit oversaturated with people, like, everyone can buy a, a camera and everyone uses digital? Or would you say it's not really because, like, you're a professional and you do the film and stuff that you kind of have your own, like, niche carved out already? I mean, everything is kind of oversaturated these days. And I think I think part of that is, like, there's no barriers to entry on the industry. You buy a camera, you could be a photographer. That's what I did. My scholarship paid for my camera. It was mostly to document my portfolio at the time in school. But then I was like, I can shoot weddings. I did the same thing that other people are doing. So on one hand, I can't knock it and be like, oh, well, those people are ruining the industry. No, I'm never going to do that because everyone has to start somewhere. I think experience and time in the industry and all those things, like I think that that speaks for itself. And I'm never really concerned that like it's competition for me. I'm just like, you know what? Let's educate everybody and give people the option because people – there are couples out there that can only spend $150 on their wedding photographer. And there are people out there that can spend 
you know, like I'm sure the Joneses spent well over $300,000 on their wedding photographer. Right. There's, there's all levels and I think there's a place for everyone. And is that why you offer workshops as well? Because obviously lots of people I'm sure would be like, oh, you offer workshops, so you're like helping people become photographers. But is that more just to like teach about film and like help that or? It's mostly because I love talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love teaching. I really do. I, for a while, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and my mom always told me that I should be a teacher. I'm just very passionate about film and I don't think there's enough film photographers out there. I think there could always be more and the more awareness around film, like, Four years ago, when I, I guess five years ago now, when I started shooting film, I was up in Edmonton and people were terrified of it. And they like shunned me from the wedding industry because they were so afraid of film. They were like, what is this? Why would you do that? Shoot digital. And that to me was mind boggling. I'm like the best photographers in the world in my mind shoot film. Why wouldn't I do that too? If I want to be the best, I should shoot film. And they basically shunned me. And I was like, this, this is wrong there should be more awareness around it so that people like, it's not a new technology that we're afraid of. We're afraid of something old. Right. That doesn't Weird. make any yeah. sense. Um, whereas in Calgary, they were super embracing of it. And they loved that I shot film. And I think that really helped, which was a nice boost kind of thing. And it's nice when you do something new and people are like, Oh yeah, I support you. Right. Rather than you're yeah. You don't have to like convince them that it's a good idea what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love, I love teaching. I genuinely love teaching. I think there could always be more awareness about film. More people should shoot film. But when I started out, there was one photographer, nobody would help me. Nobody would even tell me where they got prints done. So for the first like two years, I printed at London Drugs because literally no <laughs> one would tell me anything. Um, and that was so frustrating starting out. I'm like, just what harm is it to you? You're very well experienced, very well established. I'm nobody. Why can't you give me one piece of information? And I never understood that. And one photographer was so kind and she kind of took me under her wing and, and she taught me like not directly taught me a bunch of stuff, but any questions I'd have, she'd answer. And she let me just tag along to weddings. She's like, I don't really teach her like talk a lot, but you can just watch what I do. And if that's how you learn, then cool. And I didn't, I learned so much from watching her and just asking questions. And I am forever grateful for that experience. And so I always try to help people. Like if people are like, Oh, I don't have the budget for a workshop, you know, can we just have coffee and can I ask you some questions? Yeah, cool. Can I buy a coffee and I'll answer some questions for you? Of course. I'm not a horrible person. If I have time and it's not like the middle of wedding season and I'm buried in work, then yeah, I am more than happy to help whoever because, you know, I was gifted that experience when I was starting out and that was so nice and I'll forever be grateful for that. So yeah, I mean, I just like helping people, seeing them grow. Yeah. Well, I think it's always better to have just a community rather than competition. Whatever so cliche much. saying that is that, yeah. you know, it's just, it's better to just be nice to people than like hold in your like secrets, especially because the internet exists. So like, you're not holding on to anything that no one else knows. You're just being unhelpful now, you yes. know, like, yes, there is, there is nothing I can't find on the internet if I don't look hard enough. Exactly. But if someone else is willing to help you out, then yeah, yeah. why not? <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I honestly think like karma exists. If I'm a nice person, that'll come back and help me out. And like, I've. I've helped out other photographers and you know, when people like if people take my workshop and I know that they do a really good job and stuff, oftentimes I've gone on to hire the second shooters. I'm starting up uh, running associate photographers next year. One of them is a girl that has taken all my workshops and stuff. Um, often I get a lot of inquiries and their budgets are too low for me. So I send them off to these other photographers that I know because I'm like, Oh yeah, they've taken workshops with me. I know their work and I know them personally then. And then I feel very confident in that recommendation versus recommending like to my peers when I'm booked and they're all the same price as me and I know them, but I'm like, if I'm recommending you to somebody much newer, I need to know that they're still good and right. they're going to show up and like all these yeah. things. And so once I know them personally, it's a lot easier for me to send you confident re recommendations that way. And that's come back to me. Cause then those people, they're nice. They sing your praises. They tell everybody they know about you. And then it all, like it all circles back. I don't yeah. think of it as competition or that I'm like shooting myself in the foot by helping other people. Right. Which I think is a good mindset to have, really. Um, for people that are aspiring photographers, maybe they just bought a camera or they're still using their iPhone or something, um, what would, advice would you give them when they want to turn photography, either if it's like just a passion or side hustle, into like a full-time career? Do you have any advice for that? I mean, don't quit your day job until you know you can make enough. It's because you're not relying on repeat clients, with weddings in particular, it's really hard because you have to market yourself every year. You have to have a marketing budget and you have to get out there every single year and reach 
new people all over again. It's very repetitive in that sense. Like I used to do bridal shows every single year because every year you need new clients because once those ones are married, the chances of them getting married a second time and hiring you again are pretty <laughs> slim. Um, I've never had somebody hire me twice. So <laughs> for a wedding, um, not because they wouldn't, but just because yes. they're not getting <laughs> divorced and married again usually. Um, so I think that's, that's a big factor that people don't take into consideration. They're like, I want to be a wedding photographer. Great. I think that's great. But you have to think of how much work it is to get new clients every time. Repeat clients are the easiest way to get money and like have a sustainable business over time because then you're not selling somebody on a new product or on your business or yourself. They already know that they like you. And so it's really important that you set aside a budget for marketing and you know how to do it properly to reach your audience. Um, and a lot of photographers I know, like they, they'll shoot a couple weddings here, a couple weddings there. And some of them, they're like, their goal is 10 for a year and they've been shooting for four or five years. But that's because if you're not out there enough, you're not going to get enough weddings to make like a full-time salary. So, right. you know, I think it's a good side gig unless you're 150% dedicated to it and dedicated to hustling. If you're not a hustler, it's a hard thing to do as a full-time job. Right. Well, cause even like, I guess commercial would be more, you'd have like companies that would hire you and like repeats and agencies, yeah. but like even like family photos too, those <laughs> are really once every like year. Yeah. If that, yeah. right. Like there's no guarantee really for that either. So and like newborns, right. Hey, well you <laughs> might get the same client once every two to three years for maybe twice. Right. But again, that's like new clients every time. Right. Yeah. And you do have to be confident in what you're doing because you have to be able to make people hire you. Cause the wedding, like yeah. right now, like I'm looking for photographers and looking at people's work. Like you have to be very assured that you're going to give them the photos that they want kind of thing. Yeah. Which, which like you're good. Like, you know, you're good, but some people I'm sure if they're starting out, they're just like, well, I don't know about my photos, which won't, mm -hmm. you can't sell yourself like that. No. And I've met a lot of photographers like that. And I know, I know some photographers that do not do well in person. And so they can't do things like bridal shows because they're not confident enough in themselves to really sell themselves. And that's, that's another thing about the industry. Like some photographers are always telling other photographers, raise your prices, raise your prices. You're ruining the industry. You're undercharging, raise your prices. And I am the one that's honest. I've told people to lower the prices before. I'm like, I'm sorry, you shot five weddings and you're trying to charge $2,500 for a wedding. You, I don't think that your work holds up to that because like, if you can't guarantee the client, the shots that realistically they need from the day that are like quality in focus, like if you can't get that first kiss shot in focus and nailed every time, you can't be charging that much money because some clients going to come back and be mad at you. And if it was America, they'd sue you. Right. Thankfully it's not. And we're in Canada. <laughs> so if that doesn't happen, they would just be mad at you. But that's not how you run a successful business. You need every client to love their photos and, and to sing your praises. Right. Yeah. Cause word of mouth would be the biggest mm -hmm. marketing tool. Would you do, would you say that Instagram has helped grow your business? Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this briefly before we started recording, but now that we're recording, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> um, massively. So I didn't start Instagramming until 2014. I was really, really late to the boat. Um, I started after that third workshop that I took in November. And my first bunch of posts were like selfies of me and my husband, or boyfriend <laughs> at the time. And like me and my dad at a hockey game. <laughs> and um, my first few posts, I think I've hidden them now, but... <laughs> Classic Instagram they, they posts. They were just like me <laughs> posting whatever because I'm like, yeah, whatever, I have Instagram. Um, it wasn't until much later in 2015 that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna start posting on Instagram. But by then I was pretty good and I had some pretty good content and so it wasn't hard to build a following pretty quickly. Um, whereas I think if I had started Instagramming when I was starting out with wedding photography in 2010, I don't know if Instagram existed back then, but maybe 2012. I don't yeah, know. 2012, I think. <laughs> but if I started then, I wasn't as good. I didn't have as good of content. And ultimately, like if it's a stunning location, a stunning, if there's one thing that people will really pick out of that, like anytime you post a photo of mountains, people are like, Oh my God, I love the mountains. Obviously it gets way more likes than things that are not mountains because yeah. you know, mountains, there's certain things like that. And like, can I swear? Mm, totally. Okay. <laughs> so my husband always says, it's kind of a funny thing. So he sometimes calls girls bitches, but in like a funny way. So he'd be like, bitches love mountains, bitches love barns, <laughs> totally. bitches love veils blowing in the wind. So he always says these things and he's like, bitches love peonies. 
Um, so now I have that in my head anytime I go to post a photo, I'm like, do bitches love this? <laughs> um, and so every time I post a photo, I'm like, okay, but what, what is like, you know, people, what are people going to like about it? And so there's certain things that, you know, over time as trends change, those things change as well. But if you have the better content you have to post, the more success you have with it. And obviously not every photo I post is dynamite. There's some that I post that are just for me. Right. There's some that I know Instagram won't like. I posted one recently of this kid like splashing in the water and it's just like his lower half. I love it. It got like a hundred likes. Nobody else liked it. I asked my business coach. She was like, I don't like it that much. My best friend didn't like it. My husband didn't like it. And I was like, well, screw all of you. I really like this photo. So I'm posting it for myself. But there's a balance of that because it's like, well, I need some content. I need to post some things. And it's a balance of posting for myself and posting for Instagram. And so every other post, I'm like, okay, here, this is one. This one's for Instagram. It's Moraine Lake again. Do I love it? <laughs> no, it's the same photo I've taken a million times because everybody that comes here wants that photo. So here, I know it'll do well versus the kids splashing water that I personally really like. Right. What percentage do you say of your business comes from Instagram? Like how many like client referrals do you get from Instagram? Like that aren't word of mouth at all, like just strictly Instagram. Really, really, really I don't know if you keep track say. of those analytics, but <laughs> not specific percentages yeah. <laughs> or anything. Like when I have people inquire with me, I always ask how did they hear about me? Yeah. Um, and I always ask for their budget and how they heard about me so that I can determine where my marketing dollars are best spent. Right. That's a big thing for me. Um, I would say I get, I do get a lot of clients off Instagram. Most of the clients I get are like your single sessions that are traveling here and they want a film photographer and they want to go marine like that's the bulk of it. Um, the wedding ones I get, well, I mean, I did just get like three inquiries the other day through Instagram. Like they direct messaged me an inquiry that happens quite a bit. Um, although then I don't know a lot of information, so it's hard for me to like suss out how they found me. I'd say a lot of my international clients find me on Instagram, but a lot of the time that's because a blogger magazine has posted about my work. And so I find that I get a lot of my Instagram traffic and inquiries and stuff from other accounts posting my work. But I don't know if people find me on Instagram first right? and then inquire with me. And a lot of the time people are like, oh, I followed you for years. I love your work. So that happens a lot. I've just had a few of those recently too. They're like, oh, I followed you for so long. Right. I really <laughs> wanted to hire you. We came here specifically because I followed you and we were in Seattle and it was close enough. So like that was my couple yesterday. Right. <laughs> they went on an Alaska <laughs> cruise and they were like, I figured we were so close. We might as well come here for a photo shoot. So they're in Banff for one day. Wow, that's cool. Session. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot of things like that where I'm like, it's it's amazing how connected it's made everybody, um, but it's also really hard to judge if that's where they heard about me first and from what avenue. Was it a hashtag? Was it another account? Was it just they found me on the homepage? Right. How did they find me? Yeah, well, especially because you are doing like weddings and mountains and like you said, like bitches like that shit. And so <laughs> Instagram shows like it shows it to everybody, you know. Yeah. So it's hard to like you said, it's hard to tell like where they came from then. Yeah, but. It doesn't matter where they came from, as long as they're there. <laughs> um, so you work for yourself as a photographer. So do you want to talk about the pros and cons of being self-employed? Because this is a lot of like entrepreneurial audience, so we can dive into that. The biggest pro. I wear pajamas almost all day, every day. My mother told me that I could just wear pajamas to this because it's not my face. <laughs> it's just a podcast. So it's true. <laughs> she was like, you don't even have to get dressed. Um, that's the biggest pro. I mean, obviously when I go to shoots, I don't wear pajamas. There was one client meeting I messed up and forgot about and wore my, I was in my pajamas. They came to the door and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, lovely couple, super hilarious. They still booked me. <laughs> Didn't mind that I was in pajamas. It was not a shining moment and I've made sure to never do that again. <laughs> I can honestly say it's probably like the only embarrassing moment in my life was that. Um... In my regular life, I'm not embarrassed. In business, yeah, that's probably funny. If you show up in my pajamas, <laughs> that's a big oops. Um, the hard part, I mean, well, we were talking earlier about, like, getting a mortgage or anything that, you know... Like, stable income related. Yeah, relates to, like, the corporate world, and they're like, oh, you're self-employed. Or, like, Calgary's really bad for this, where they're, it's very oil-centric, and if you do anything other than oil, they're like, oh, whatever. Um, so anytime my husband and I would go out for the first little while, people would be like, oh, well... What do you do? And I'd say, oh, I'm a photographer. And they'd be like, oh, cool. And what do you do, Alan? And people like, oh, I'm an engineer. And then they only talk to Alan. They just like brush me off completely. And Alan started being like, um, no, she makes more than I do. 
And they're like, oh shit, you're like, you must be really good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not bad. And then they would start to take me seriously. But people don't take self-employed people seriously, especially when it's like a creative industry or something like that. Right. They just don't take you seriously. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Like, I think half of my family, not my immediate family, but like my aunts and uncles, they're always like, oh, how's your little photography business? I'm like, I get really mad about it too. And I'm like, um, it's great. It's more than you've ever made as like an IT tech or whatever you do. Like, yeah. I get really, really mad about it. Because I'm like, it's not a little, like, don't patronize me. Totally. Just because I work for myself and it's a creative thing. I actually had one teacher, my old high school social studies teacher. She was like, oh, it's so great. You're pursuing your passions. It's just unfortunate. You're not going to make any money at it. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, oh, that just eats me. I'm like, ah. But it's okay. Joke's on them. Yeah. Um, there are many, many benefits to it. I'd say society's perception of being self-employed is probably the only downside. Um, Which I feel is changing slowly. Not necessarily for that yeah. generation of people, but for like our generation and the younger people. I think most people now that I know are self-employed. Same. Or I if they're not self-employed, they want to become self-employed. They're like working towards Yes, this. yes. All those ads on like Facebook and Instagram, like be financially independent, follow your dreams, work from home, <laughs> like all these things. Yeah. And they're like, actually, if you just sell skincare and MLM, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's not running your business, sorry. Not the same thing. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast rant. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I run my own business. I work for Rodan and Fields. No, you don't. Um, anyways. I mean, I'd say, like, the worst part is it gets lonely sometimes. Like, working at home, Netflix keeps me company. Um, <laughs> my dog who's watching us podcast, he keeps me company. We have I don't have long conversations <laughs> together. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I talk to my mom for a few hours a day because sometimes I'm lonely. When I go out, I talk way too much because I spend all day at home with nobody. Right, you're that to person me. like at the cashier that's you're just like, how is your day? How are you doing in life? What are you doing today? <laughs> like, I'm excited to have a child so that when I'm in the grocery store and I'm talking to myself out loud by accident, people don't think I'm crazy. They just assume I'm talking to the child <laughs> instead. True. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to keep myself company. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I go to coffee shops all the time to, to solve that problem. That's I don't funny. talk to anybody. I have no need <laughs> to talk to them, but I just want like people talking around me. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I go up, but I still don't talk to anybody. Yeah, no interest in talking to them. I just need to like hear other people talk and be in society. <laughs> and I stay in the suburbs, suburbs Starbucks, <laughs> because that, no one talks to you up there. Um, so you do you shoot a lot of destination weddings. Is that one of your? Do you prefer to shoot destination weddings because you get to like travel? Or I feel like that's break the myth because I feel like people are like, oh, it'd be so cool if I just like shot destination weddings all the time. I mean, okay, that's that's a really big one where people get sucked up by the hype of it. And when I first started out, so I grew up in the Middle East. And growing up, I traveled a lot over there. And I always said, like, I never liked moving back to Canada. I was really mad at my parents for that. I was like, you're ruining my life. Why are you taking me to this frozen wasteland? Um, now I quite like it. And I don't really want to live <laughs> anywhere else other than Calgary, but <laughs> I will travel everywhere. I'm like, I don't, I like living here. There are some big perks to Calgary. So... As much as I love traveling, and I always said, like, I want to be able to work from anywhere in the world, destination weddings is a tough one. So, like, your first couple, you know, you usually end up doing for free, and then there are a bunch of photographers that'll still shoot destination weddings for just the price of travel. But you're taking a week off of work where you're not getting any other work done. You're taking time away from, like, your family, from being home. I don't know. You could, like, clean your house. Like, there's other things now where I'm, like, these are other things are a priority. I'd rather stay at home and clean my house than go on a trip for a week to Mexico for, like, the fifth time that year. Um, so, usually when we do destination weddings, I'd say, like, 40% of our weddings are destination, probably. Um, for us, not always the couple. The couple is usually local, but for us, it's a destination. Um, and so, I'd say, I'd say probably 40% of them. And when I first like not first started out, but maybe by the time I graduated university, I could actually take destination weddings. Cause when I was in school, I never could. But when I started being able to, I want to shoot all destination weddings. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. But there was one point a few years ago, I was still living at home and I was like home for literally 24 hours. And I was laying on the couch bawling because I had no clean underwear and I just wanted a home cooked meal. And my mother was like, okay, maybe you should shoot a couple less. Maybe you should stay home for like a few days at a time. And so she made me a home-cooked meal and washed my clothes <laughs> for me, and it was all good. But 
it gets hard. It, it like living in airports and in suitcases and it's very stressful. Like air travel used to be this luxury and now it's miserable. I don't know anybody that has a positive experience in an airport basically ever. It's not that much fun. Security is a nightmare always. And you're herded like cattle and yeah. And then maybe your plane doesn't take off on time. Take off. Yeah. On you time, sit on the runway ever. for like three hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is this thing that people think they want to do and it sounds fancy, but unless you charge accordingly for it, it ends up not being worth it. Like in the long run. Um, like now we charge our travel price. Like we have a, you know, we have set prices for travel for certain places. I don't have to waste three hours a day looking this up every time I get an inquiry. So I'm like, okay, if it's Mexico, I know that I can go to Mexico for three days, stay at just basically any resort that weddings happen at. For me and my husband, flights, three days of accommodations for about three grand. If it's January or December, probably four. Um, and we always stay for the minimum, like three to five days. We never go for a full week anymore. Uh, if we go to Europe, we go for a little bit longer because that's a really long flight to not go for so long. But usually if we go to like Italy or Paris, I can book so many other sessions as well as a wedding that it's totally worth it. Um, and then I'll usually give like the wedding couple a break on travel because usually travel to Europe is about five grand. Right. Once we count like two sets of two flights and all the hotel and food and transportation, you know, between everywhere and all those kinds of things, it's usually works out to be about five grand. And so we have like these set travel prices for places because it used to take me a long time to look this up every time. Right. And you have to factor that in like, it's not just how much time you're spending on the wedding. It's how much time you're spending meeting them, emailing them, doing all the other things before and after. And so for destination weddings, it just, it gets to be a lot. And I love it. I really do. But now we charge for our travel and our package price. And it's, it's been that way for a number of years now. And it'll stay that way. Right. Just because it's not like I need the portfolio piece. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, add to your portfolio. No, thank you. I've shot in most of the, there's, I mean, I don't really want to go to Antarctica because it's probably too cold for me, but like that'd be about the only place where I'm like, okay, cool. That would be worth it. Um, maybe South Africa at Giraffe Manor in Kenya because I really love giraffes and I really <laughs> want to go there. Maybe that I would do for just travel plus the cost of film. So, you know, travel plus like $2,500 I'd probably do, but most places in the world, I'm like, no, you can pay my full price plus travel. And if they want to book something cheaper, I am not offended by it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset at the other photographer for undercharging or whatever other people say about it. That's cool. That's just everyone's own prerogative. And that photographer will eventually learn that, man, this is not worth my time either. Totally. However, what's the coolest place you shot a wedding? After all that said, I don't know what I would say the coolest is like the most exotic sounding kind okay. of thing. Like India. Was it cool? No, Alan was so sick. <laughs> and then I made him go on this hike and I was like, you can just stay in the car. No. And then he had to, hike like three kilometers with us and I'm like I'm so sorry it was like up near like the Himalayas it was beautiful but um Alan was really 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 sick and he can't swallow pills so it took him like two hours to try to swallow some of these antibiotics that he needed to get him to take um it wasn't the best experience right um <laughs> and it was definitely one of the most chaotic weddings like things ran like hours and hours and hours late it was super disorganized so it, it was fun but and cool. It was definitely a cool place to go. Sounds cool. Oh yeah, I shot a wedding in India. Um, I'd say like some of my favorites though. Uh, we shot a wedding in Ireland for a couple from Calgary. It was absolutely amazing. That was one of our first, I think that was our first big Europe trip once Alan graduated university and the same year we moved to Calgary. And it was the coolest thing. We did a whole big Europe trip out of it. We shot a wedding in Ireland and I think we shot a wedding in uh, Lake Como that same trip and both places we absolutely loved. And then last year we shot a wedding in the Dolomites in Italy. Uh, I really love Northern Italy. That's a big favorite of mine. Um, I don't know. It's cool. There's like, they all kind of sound cool, but at the same time, I don't know. Right. How cool are they? <laughs> Everyone goes to Italy now. True. <laughs> Everyone can get on the plane and go. Yeah. Everything's very accessible. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I have like, I mean, I have a long list of places I want to shoot weddings, but the places we've shot weddings, they're all cool. They're all different. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also, I guess, because we live here. So, like, yeah. we live in I mean, Banff beautiful... is not going to be the coolest place that I've shot a wedding. <laughs> yeah, but it's a highly sought-after destination type yeah. of wedding. So Yeah, most of my clients that get married in Banff are from the States. Right. I feel really bad for the ones that come in August. And I'm like, oh, you wanted to see mountains? You probably won't. Yes. Yeah. 
unfortunately, the last few years. Yeah. Like, sorry, all your photos have a little bit of a yellow tint to them. I have one poor couple from Kansas. Like, we've never seen mountains. Oh, I, like, I am no. so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that must be tough. Especially because that's what they want. Like, that's yeah. the reason they came here. Um, what would you say are the... What are people most surprised to learn about photography and shooting weddings? Like, other photographers or, like, brides? Just, yeah, just, like, brides. Like, people that are inquiring about things and... Is there anything <laughs> about price? <laughs> They're most surprised about the price? Um, I don't know. It varies a lot. Like some people know what they want. They know what they're looking for and they're very realistic about it. And some people are like, well, I want a photographer with 10 years experience and a videographer and I want 12 hours of coverage and I want to spend $2,000 on it. And it's because they've never looked before and they really don't know. Um, but then like in Facebook groups, people jump all over them and it's like, no, no guys, like let's just educate people on it. Right. I mean, I don't know how much, I didn't know how much cars were until I started looking for one. And I was like, these prices, I feel like have doubled since I bought my first car in 2012. I was like, these, this is steep and I no longer want a new car. <laughs> um, I was like, going back to Kia, I'll buy one of those because they were cheaper. <laughs> but I think it's just because people don't know. If you don't know, yeah. then you don't know what to expect. Um, I think a lot of brides don't, also, they don't know what they want. Like, because there's so many options now. You know, I really liked Henry Ford. You can have it in any color as long as it's black. Right. I wish that were true for a lot of things because sometimes there's so many options, it's overwhelming. And I think a lot of brides are like, well, do I want the dark and moody that's trendy right now? Or, or do I want something more timeless that in 30 years I'm not going to look back and be like, I still got married in 2019. Um, I think brides don't know what they want. I think that really overwhelms them and then they don't know what to do about it. Right. Yeah. How Just have you been finding things so far? like that <laughs> overwhelming yeah. I'm just like and like I'm on Instagram and I follow photographers and do all yeah. that but I have to pick one I'm just like how do you pick them I'm like I don't I don't know like can you just photoshop me in there and <laughs> so I can see which one is gonna look the best like it's hard and there's like basically once you start like diving into like the black hole it's just like endless and people are it's the same thing like people are so subjective about it they're like oh like I had this photographer they're amazing but it's like if you don't like their style or whatever then you're like well like I'm sure, like, I'm sure all photographers are good if they're being recommended, but then you have to decide what style you like. And if you're just going off of Instagram, because I'm like that, I'm like, I don't have time to go to everyone's website and scroll through websites. And, you know, so you're just looking at Instagram, which I know is, might not necessarily be like the best representation of everything they offer or even like what you're looking for. Yeah. So yeah, it's very, very overwhelming. That's funny that you say that because I, when we chose our wedding photographer, we chose mostly off Instagram and it was the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> like, our wedding was amazing and perfect, except the photographer. And I shouldn't have chosen off Instagram. Like, the biggest piece of advice I could give any bride would be, like, ask for some full wedding galleries. Not just one, because they're they're going to send you their best. You want to see their worst. Right. If you like what they deliver for their worst wedding, like, their least ideal wedding. Like, I'm talking the darkest church or the blackest hall you've ever seen and like, a community center that's barely decorated. If you still like those photos, you'll like what they deliver to you. Right. So, if Ask for a few wedding galleries. I send like seven to ten full wedding galleries because I'm like, I don't care. I want you to see all my work because I don't want to send you only my best and then you'd be disappointed that you didn't get that because your wedding wasn't like ideal in California on a vineyard or whatever. Right. right? Yeah. So I want you to see a full range of things to really know what you're getting so that, you know, managing expectations so that you're not let down by it. Right. I think that's so important. Um, and I think it's really important that you get along with them because photographers are like your shadow on your wedding day. The wedding we... One of the weddings, we just had two weddings this weekend, and one of them, the bride said that her mother-in-law had hired some other photographers for the rest of the week events because it was an Indian wedding. And she was like, if I had known they were important to her, I would have hired you all week because these photographers did not care. They were not attentive. I wanted a photo with my family, and they were nowhere to be found. She's like, I could never find them. And I'm like, really? I was like, if you pee, I will know about it. If you cough, I will know about it. You sneeze, I'll hand you a thing. So I was like, you will have to run and hide to get away from me on your wedding day. I am like your shadow. You move. I'm there to take a picture of it if I need to. Right. Like, I know everything that happens because I am there. Because I don't want you to be, you know, hugging your grandma and crying and you didn't even think she'd come to your wedding and I missed it because I'm not there. No. I need to be there for every moment. So I think it's really important that you like whoever it is. Because if you have to spend that much, like, you're spending more time with them than you are your husband on that day. Right. Because they see you well. He's not seeing you and you're getting ready. Right. So I think it's really important that you get along with them. Right. Well, and then feel comfortable with them too. Because if you get along with them, you feel comfortable. So at least you like don't look awkward or like you can 
loosen up a little bit and take Big normal time. photos. Big time. And I think that's a lot of who the photographer is too. Like all of our couples, like I get some really awkward couples that say all of two words to us. Like they don't talk to us. But you would never know based on the photos that they were like one of the stiffest couples I've ever photographed because I'm really good at getting people to where I need them to be. And I tell them funny anecdotes. I tell them stories about me and Alan. I embarrass Alan a lot. I tell them some really embarrassing <laughs> stories about Alan. But it gets them to laugh and realize that we're just people. And it's not like this daunting thing. You're standing in front of a camera. Right. And what do I do? I've never been photographed before. Then it's just like, we're people. And we're just hanging out. And I'm taking some pictures. Right. And then they're much more comfortable. Yeah. That's really interesting. Which you don't even think about because most of the time you're not... Like, the rest of us aren't there when there's, like, a photographer and, like, a wedding party or something. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen until photographer shows up you know but yes I have a pick still so that's it's on my list of things to do <laughs> um okay a couple more questions is there a podcast or book that you'd recommend to listeners um I don't read books uh any book I want to read I ask Alan to read it to me <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't really got that far yet um podcasts again I don't listen to many uh I really like my dad wrote a porno it's absolutely hilarious like I almost peed my pants and I've had to stop it many, many times because I'm just laughing too hard. <laughs> it is the funniest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Um, it's a British podcast and if you like anything funny, everybody should listen to it. It's so great. Um, and then some of the Planet Money ones are really interesting. Like there's one about bee farming and one all about satellites and there's just some really interesting things that like I didn't know that that was even a thing. Um, I find those really interesting but I don't listen to a lot of them. Right. Yeah. Which... I find them. I find them to be noise sometimes. Like if it's not something I'm personally interested in or something I'm learning from, like I can't do it while I work. I can do it while I drive, but not while I work or do other things because it's too hard to focus on both for me. Totally. Yeah. I only listen when I when I'm driving. Yeah. And even then, you still have to like. Sometimes I'll just be like driving, and then all of a sudden you like tune back in, and you're like, oh, miss the entire thing because you're just like not paying attention really. But but I still listen to all of them. Catch a couple sentences every once in a while. <laughs> Um, and where can people connect with you, see your work, do all the things, book your wedding in Africa that you want to do that? Um, yeah, if you want to book me for your wedding in South Africa, uh, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> um, so on Instagram, I am at, you can find me at Milton Photo, uh, M-I-L-T-O-N Photo. And then uh, my website is just my name, Justine, that's Justin with an E on the end, uh, Milton.com. Awesome. And all my emails and everything are on the bottom of every single page on my website, so it's very easy to get a hold of me. Which is really important, actually, because it's really frustrating when you can't find how to contact somebody. You know their contact form, and you're like, I don't want to fill this out. I just want to send you a quick email, but there's no email address. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That was a great, that was a great podcast.